Greetings and welcome to our second Sunday together in 2021. Uh, as you can see, we as a community of people want to put first things first this year. And that's something you probably agreeing with, right? Who, who wouldn't want to put first things first? But straight away, we had some problems. We've all got different priorities, right? The little ones running around your floor right now, I've got very different priorities to someone in the retirement years of life. Also, we recognize there's such wonderful diversity in cultural uh, practices, which manifest themselves in, in valuing things differently to other cultures. And so which one should we put first? Some of you would be looking at me saying, Paul, these are great debates and thoughts to have, but ultimately I know what we put first. We put first the urgent stuff because as important as those other things are, urgency means that we've got to get through a whole bunch of stuff before we can ever get to prioritizing things. Uh, with an introduction like that, you might throw your hands up and say, well, to each their own and think that that's as far as we can get. But I don't think it is. I think that we as a community have taken Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, teach us. We want to be your apprentices or your disciples. We want to learn from you what it means to put first things first. And so at the start of the year last week, we looked at that. We looked at Jesus' life and we, we looked at what it means to apprentice ourselves to him. And then today, again, we're going to start building on that foundation by looking at things which Jesus taught and which he prioritized himself. I love what C.S. Lewis says in a letter to one of his students. He, he, he put it like this. He said, put first things first, and we get second things thrown in. But put second things first, and we lose both first and second things. This is not a nice to have. This is very important to put first things first. Now, I thought of a good example. I, I'm really, when it comes to exercise, a, a park runner, sort of five kilometers is my sweet spot. So I've been missing that aspect of my life on Saturday mornings. But at some uh, point in my life, I decided I wanted to try something different. I was going to do a run 5Ks, cycle 20Ks, and then another run, two and a half. It was taking place in Greenpoint, Beach Road, beautiful part of the world. And I remember not having a, a helmet at that time. And I had a bicycle, some friends had bought me, but I didn't have a helmet. And I, I researched helmets and I went on tackle a lot and I got a helmet. And I was so, in my mind, positioned for great things. I had a bike, I had a helmet. Well, fast forward to the end. Running was fine, but I got the distinct impression that for the majority of my bike ride, people just went past me, went past me, went past me. And my, my suspicions were confirmed when I clicked on the rankings, which you can do and see how you did on each leg of the event. M me, Paul Morn, came stone last out of all the people taking part in the bicycle leg of that particular race. I couldn't quite believe it. I, I then looked at it and I realized my bicycle was the heaviest bicycle. I, I, I still cannot bring myself to say it was me. I, I, I had... I had not properly trained, sure, but by far the biggest problem was that my bicycle was one of the heaviest, heaviest bicycles. But here's, here's the ironic thing. I had gone and researched helmets, and I spent a, a lot of money on helmets. I had probably one of the best helmets in the whole event, but anyone cycling past me at any point would have looked and said, wow, that guy's got a nice helmet, but what is he sitting on as he tries to keep up with me? I had fallen into the trap of putting second things first. I had not at all realized that by far the most important thing on the bicycle besides the rider is the bicycle itself. Now, I'm, I'm disclosing information which has never been shared publicly before because I'd love you to not make the same mistake. 
and I'm not talking about exercise and, and equipment. I'm talking about our one and only lives. I'm talking about what it really means to know God and prioritize what He prioritizes. See, if we do that, second things are better, third things are better, fourth things are better. But if we don't do that, everything else gets out of alignment and, and life doesn't work. And so we as a community want to put first things first. And Jesus is who we're putting first. But today we're going to find out that together he's calling us to create a culture of honor. A culture of honor. That's what we're going to be discussing together. And I'm very indebted to a John Tyson out of um, Church of the City, New York, for, for much of what I'm going to share with us. We're looking at uh, one verse from the book of Romans today. One verse. Although honor is throughout Scripture, and we'll see a couple of instances of that, we're going to focus in on one verse. It's Paul writing a letter to the city of Rome, and he's helping them to understand what it means to create a culture, a unique community of people. And if you're a visitor or a guest with us, it's a great time to lean in and to look at a document written thousands of years ago that speaks to hopefully something of what we still keep alive in our community today. This is what Paul had to write. He said, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Because it's such a short verse, I want to read it again. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, I want to take a moment for us to just imagine a world where a group of people did this. They loved one another with brotherly affection. You know that kind of family affection that says, you know what, we're not going anywhere. We're in this together, heart and soul. But not only that, he goes on, he says, they, they're going to outdo one another in honor. Outdo, that word means that you're going to go first. You're not going to allow someone to honor you before you go and honor them. No, you, you, you're going ahead. You, you're causing this to happen. Imagine what, what a group of people like that would look like. And, and notice it's not total agreement with one another. It's, it's got the, the sibling hustle and bustle, speaking truth and love to each other. It's got all of those aspects to it. But imagine what a world like that would look like. I want to read on a little bit more because Paul does it in his letter. He, having given the verse we've just spoken of, he says, hey, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. He says, serve the Lord. Giving us a little glimpse of what this community could look like. He says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. He says, bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. I, I'm going to stop there, but go and read Romans 12 and get a picture of what a culture of honor could start to look like. Outdoing one another. Outdoing one another in honor. I think why we maybe have to dream about it rather than experience it regularly is because we often are thinking through the lens of individualism. We're going, hey, what's my goal for the year? What am I going to give myself to? What's the vision? But what Jesus is doing, what Paul's reminding us, is that there's a vision for us as a community, that we can have a community vision, a community goals, and community uh, culture of honor. So I'm going to ask you a question right up front, and the structure for today is just to, to roll with what it would mean to have a culture of honor. And the first question I'm going to ask you is, what is culture? What is culture? It's a word we all use, but do we know what it means? Uh, some definitions emphasize sort of the arts and manifestation of human intellectual achievement and that, but it's not what we're talking about here. 
What we're talking about here is the ideas, customs, and behaviors of a particular group of people. So maybe it's a couple of individuals or a group get together and go, he has an idea that's really valuable. And then they start building some customs around that that give, give you know, um, flesh and bone to that, that idea. Slowly but surely, that actually creates a group of people that are distinct. That's what we want at the start of 2021, right? We want to put first things first, settle on what those ideas are. We then want to put them into our customs and our behaviors and therefore create a culture. There's a picture I often think of when I think of culture, and it's, it's a picture of a farmer or the verb cultivate, right? Those two words are quite similar, culture and, and cultivate. Picture what a farmer does. A farmer has an idea, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to farm this particular land. There are a whole bunch of customs and behaviors that need to go into that. And over time, a harvest is reaped. And from that harvest comes food to eat as well as seed to sow. And it, it, it builds on itself. And a culture, a cultivation, it's the same thing. They, the effort goes in and then the reward comes. The effort goes in and the reward comes. And slowly but surely, there are harvests and celebrations and rhythms of life. We're a lot more humble when it comes to planning for 2021, right? We've filled in our calendars with a whole bunch more uncertainty than we ever would have before, in, certainly in my lifetime. And so when we face so much uncertainty, what sometimes we need to do is we need to look back and we need to look at questions of origin and of purpose. And God, why are we here? What are you calling us to? And one of the big things God's calling us to is to create culture and to cultivate to be like that farmer, taking the raw materials of life, the chaos of life, and, and forming order for human flourishing. That's, in many ways, the job description of, of humans that were made in God's image, is to take chaos, create order for human flourishing. And we're going to spend some time this year going back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and in the beginning, understanding how God has placed purpose in us and how he's made us so that we can be better citizens of Cape Town in the year 2021, in amongst all this uncertainty. But for now, I, I just want to point out to you that what we're doing here is we're creating a culture of honor. And that's going to require us to change our ideas, our customs, and our behaviors together as a group. And of course, this might seem a bit foreign because the world we live in right now doesn't always exhibit honor. It's not how we treat each other. It's not the culture that we often are building. We build cultures around our own ideas, our own customs, our own behaviors, and often these cultures clash. So what we really are asking God to do by his spirit amongst us now is give us a heart for what he sees us doing when we, when we create a culture of honor. Right now, we don't see uh, a lot of honor. There's not a lot of glimpses of it. And the, one of the major reasons is that we, we don't listen to Jesus. We don't put first things first. And the effects of that is decay. Uh, and and, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see. I've often think of this vivid illustration by Tim Keller, who says, you know, when you, when you first see a roast chicken come out of the oven and placed on the kitchen table, oh, what a moment. The smell is in the air and you think, wonderful. But if you leave that chicken for a few hours, it's, it's now cold, it's not so good. Leave that chicken for a few days, it starts to smell. Leave that chicken for a few weeks, it really starts to smell. Leave that chicken for a couple of months and it is now officially a health hazard. Anyone going in there will be infected by all kinds of things. What happened there is something that was good has trended towards chaos, right? And in so many ways that describes a lot of our, our self-centeredness and our, our zeal for ourselves and not to put the things of God first. What could be so beautiful is, is decayed. 
there's some good news for us. This, this cultivation, this culture that God's called us to doesn't have to end all the way down into the, the worst <laughs> example of the roast chicken, right? There's, there's a sense in which God has been able to restore to us this cultural mandate, this job description of not seeing order decay to chaos, but taking chaos and reweaving life in, 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 in God's loving hands and with his leadership. And so I want us to look at our lives today freshly and to, and to say, God, sign me up for creating culture. Sign me up for changing my thoughts, my customs, my behaviors, to put those things first and, and, to, and to take up the job description. Paul has this in mind when he's writing to those in Rome. The particular chapter that I read from, chapter 12, you look at it, it starts with him saying, in light of all God's mercies, in light of all that God's done, as we looked at it at Christmas, sending his son, redeeming us, rescuing us, in light of all God's mercies, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Bring yourself to God and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm here to put you first. And then you'll find yourself put into a body, put into a group of people. It's gonna create a unique culture where you're going to love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in honor, where you're going to rejoice with those that rejoice, weep with those that weep, all those other things in chapter 12 that you can read. And that's, and that's the culture that we are trusting that God will create in our midst together. So what then? What then is a culture of honor? I've just described what a culture is. What then is a culture of honor? Well, if we look at this verse, it, it, it's there. It's, it's, it's something we need to do. We need to outdo one another. Once again, I, I think we struggle to find examples of it. It's often in its absence that we notice. If you've ever been at the park and a kid does not want to leave and they are literally throwing their toys and, and, and wrecking havoc and everyone kind of doesn't know where to look in that moment, the, the kind of dishonoring that's going on. Sometimes it's in uh, romantic relationships, which can last for months, for years, and then can suddenly be severed or cut off. There's a ghosting that occurs and people are left broken and wounded by what happened there and, and how dishonorable that, that that way of treating another person is like. A, watching sport, it doesn't take long to see a few spectators and players dishonoring the referees or anyone who tries to kind of enforce the rules. We, we see dishonor a lot more regularly than we do see honor. And perhaps we also have got uh, wrong thinking around honor because where it pops up on our radar most of the time, it's seen as something a bit old school, maybe something a bit traditional, or not really relevant to the world today. Perhaps it's a brother or a father or a relative who, who performed an honor killing because the, the name of the family was, was, um, was damaged in some way. And, and, and the, the devastation of, of honor killings is, is rife in some communities still. Maybe it's uh, the, the abuse of honor in some church cultures where one person is held up as being above everyone else and worthy of honor, but it's led to an environment where, quite frankly, that person gets away with way too much. And, and, and honor then is left with, a, you're left with a bad taste in your mouth when you think of the word honor. Well, I, I think the enemy can, can use all these abuses of the word honor to, to take us um, away from something which is, not meant to be abused, but something which is glorious and something which is in many ways the operating system of God. A culture of honor is something which, which we should long for, not something we should avoid. And as Paul reminds us, it's something we should go first in. We should be excited to, to bring honor in the culture that we create. Paul writes about it here, but 
flicking through scripture, you'll see Peter speaks about it and Jesus speaks about it as well. And so the obvious question then is, well, what is honor? We want to create a culture, right? We want to take the, the chaos that surrounds us, the uncertainty that surrounds us, and we long to create order from it through our ideas, our customs, our behaviors. And we want it to be a culture that, that is full of honor. So what is honor? Here's a definition from John Tyson. He says, honor is the recognition of the value, contribution, and importance of others. Let me say that again. Honor is the recognition of the value, contribution, and importance of others. See, the Bible teaches again and again that God has created every human being in his image. They are unique, unrepeatable, precious. They are given value because God has made them. And as wonderfully diverse as the world is on all kinds of different scales, the common denominator is that every single person is precious, unrepeatable, and individual who's been made in the image of God. What an incredible thought that if we're going to create a culture, this idea needs to take hold in our hearts. It's not an idea taught by all thought systems. It's, it's something which we see clearly in Scripture when we, when we read about the creation account. And it's an idea that should take hold of each one of our hearts. See, what it's saying is that every person is worthy of honor. Every person is valuable. Every person has a contribution. Every person is important. And we should align our behavior, the culture we create, with that thought. Let me, let me give you an example. Um, if, if the sun is shining outside, it's warming things up. The sun is glorious. The sun is, is, is just, it's just such an incredible thing to enjoy. To honor the sun is to bring our, ourselves into alignment with that. It's to say, man, I'm, I'm really so grateful for the sun that it gives life and that it, it, it makes these summer days longer. If you choose not to honor the sun, that doesn't make the sun any less glorious, right? The, the sun is still going to shine. It's still glorious. It's still wonderful. But you are not aligning with the truth of that and you are going to suffer the consequences. See, when you don't honor the sun, it's you that gets hurt, not the sun. In the same way, what God's saying is he's made everyone in their image. You can dishonor them. You can dishonor many different groups of people and, and, and that's not going to diminish the truth that they're made in the image of God, that they're valuable, that they've got a contribution and that they're important. People are valuable to God and they should be valuable to us. How does this work, Paul? How does this work? Well, think about um, a couple of examples. Number one, Mother's Day, right? Mother's Day, once a year, you get to honor and celebrate a woman who went through unbelievable pain, unbelievable pain to give birth to you. And that's just right in the first couple of hours, right? For the rest of your life, she probably has also been carrying all kinds of burdens on your behalf. But it's appropriate to honor your mother. Well, for other people, it's often their birthdays. If it's a milestone birthday, think of 21st or 40th or 50th. There's moments where people can gather around and, and say some things that honor them. How about uh, our tradition as Africans during the early days of 2020 of applauding our healthcare workers, of blowing instruments, of doing things? Something that just said, man, these guys are on the front line. We want to demonstrate our appreciation for them. Little examples of, of honor at work. But yet, it's also in the day-to-day -day interactions with each other. When we, when we listen well, when we value others as more important than ourselves, 
so much creativity and so much opportunity to create a culture of honor with the customs and behaviors that we adopt as a community. And I really want you to get this, that this isn't a nice to have. In many ways, this is the operating system of heaven that we'd honor one another. And I want to show that to you from scripture. And so we're going to look at the place of honor in scripture. And I've only got time to look at a few instances, but there'll be a slide where you can take, take this further, looking at how the word honor comes up again and again. We see right at the start that honor is within God. This passage from Jesus from chapter five of the book of John says, for the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Honor is something that God is giving within the Godhead at all times. It's not just within God. It's also going to be our destiny. Honor is our destiny. It's where we're heading towards. John had a vision and he wrote it up in the book of Revelation. And from chapter five, we read the following. John writing said, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, let's lean in. What are they saying? Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Goes on, he says, then I heard every creature. I mean, that's a lot of creatures. Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, again, we lean in, what are they saying? To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures says, yes, we're in with that, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Honor is in the Godhead. Honor is our destiny and then, all of human culture should honor God. This point comes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah sees a group of people, the people of God walking away from God, saying, we found other gods. And one of the things they found were the ships of Tarshish, these incredible ships that would bring supplies from overseas. And they started to trust those things more than they trusted God. An example of technology not being used as a, as a healthy supplement, but being used as a substitute for God. And Isaiah warns them and says, you're going astray. You're not putting first things first. You've allowed technology to usurp who God is. And in Isaiah 60, he gives them a hint of how culture and technology should be used appropriately. And this is what he writes. He says, who are these that fly along like clouds, like doves to their nests? Surely the islands look to me. In the lead are the ships of Tarshish, the technology of the time. Bring in your children from afar with their silver and gold to the honor of the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor. We know uh, that technology has got incredible powers for good, but also can, can sidetrack us from the job description we've been given to create order out of chaos. So I'm so grateful for our Zoom meeting, our team meetings, all these things, and we're supposed to, supposed to use these to honor God and to honor each other. There are many more examples. I want to just say that honor is everywhere in scripture. Look at the slide. In creation, we're told that, that all of creation is, is honoring God. We're called to, in our sexuality, honor God with our bodies. In our wealth, to honor God. How about God-ordained authorities? In marriage, husbands and wives are called to honor one another. And children are called to honor their mothers and their fathers. And finally, we're called to honor those in 
authority in us in, in our local church. Honor is the operating system of heaven. It is everywhere. And yet it isn't always our lived experience. I would say that we are currently going through a phase of deconstructing honor. Seeing honor as something that's undesirable. Seeing something that we want to sweep away. Our job description is to create order from chaos. It seems in many ways we, we're taking something that's working orderly and we're, and we're just creating chaos out of it and very little is getting rebuilt in the aftermath. How's it, how's it going for us as, as we deconstruct honor? How's it working out? We've seen conflict increase. We've seen cynicism on the rise. We're looking for opportunities to jump on the mistakes of others and to, and to feel good about ourselves because we've been able to spot others making mistakes. I would put it to you that it's not working out and that walking away from honor and towards dishonor is harming us in all kinds of ways. One of the real ways uh, that it harms us is that it means that we no longer align with God, right? So, so God is always glorious and his ways are glorious and we're choosing not to align with him. Just as the sun is glorious, we, we're choosing not to, to align with his ways and who he is. And when we treat each other as if we're not valuable, we don't have a contribution, we're not important, we, we go against the grain of how God's made us. It's a tremendous danger also that we, instead of building a culture of honor, we create a culture of contempt. You see, resentment is something you might feel to a superior, a boss. You can't let it go because they're ahead of you, so you're resentful. Anger is often something you feel towards your peers on the same level. But contempt is something dangerous. It's something you feel towards someone you regard as lower than yourself. It's you kind of looking at someone going, oh, you're not even worth the time. So I scroll through social media or read emails. I go, I can't believe you believe that. I can't believe that's your point of view. And I'm happy to write you off with contempt. And if we continue to do that to each other, the gap between us grows and grows and grows. Who do you know, reading through scripture, who's quick to write someone off as unimportant? Well, it's often Satan and it's the Pharisees, right? Two groups that you do not want to be associated with, who again and again don't respond in honor, but respond with dishonor. And the result of that is division between people and families and nations, discouragement, and just generally the, the diminishment of what God had in store for us with his original creation intent. Please join me in coming before God now saying, God, I don't want to be part of deconstructing honor anymore. I want to a heart turned from cynicism to a heart that's soft to your ways. I don't want to feel better about myself because I can spot the mistakes of absolutely everyone else. I want, to, I want to lay down my life and serve other people, outdoing one another in honor. How would we do that? I mean, what would a culture like this look like? What would a culture like this look like? Two quick points. Firstly, I think we probably need to change our ideas customs and behavior when it comes to God. You see, if we've created a culture of contempt, how you create a culture of honor is you stop and you go, man, I've been getting it wrong and I need to realign with the God who has made this world. I need to put first things first. I need to come to Jesus and, and see him as God with us, Emmanuel, as we celebrated this Christmas. You see, the incredible thing about the verse when we're told to love with brotherly affection and to outdo one another honors, we've been told to do what Jesus did. 
We've been told to do what Jesus did. Before we even knew his name, he outdid us in honoring us. He came to be our substitute. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness before we'd done anything. That is the incredibly good news that galvanizes us as a community. It's impossible to love one another until we receive that love from him, that redemption, that homecoming, that celebration of being included in. And so as we change our idea about God and we see him as a rescuer, as a great creator, and we, and we, and we change our customs and behaviors, we start to create a new culture. And what do we do as a culture? Well, then we outdo one another in showing honor. We outdo one another in showing honor. From now on, when you see someone, will you in your heart just see them as someone valuable with a contribution who's important? Will you defer and listen to them in the same way that you would listen to the most important person in your life? Would you, would you almost put a filter over your eyes that allows you to see their story, the calling God has for them, the sacrifices they've made in their life up until now, a future the, the sense of destiny that they are someone precious, unique, and unrepeatable. Are we so quick to just move through life not treating each other like that? Could we today resolve that we would stop and that we would treat each other, outdoing one another with honor? Instead of having differences that allow us to divide and to dishonor, let's move towards each other and and speak the truth in love, but in a way that honors them and isn't about winning arguments as much as it is around winning relationships and, and being loving towards one another. There's great power in honor. There's great power in honor, and I encourage you to go and look at Romans chapter 12, to go and look at how he overflows in more examples of what this community would look like, this community of honor. I encourage you to go and read up about all the instances that I mentioned. But more than that, I, I pray that once that idea takes hold, you will join me in outdoing one another in honor. Let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful that you outdid us in honoring. You came and rescued us. And so we start with the first response of saying, you, God, are worthy of honor. We want to place first things first, and we want to say that, God, you are first in our lives. And then we invite the work of your Spirit right now to change our hearts and empower us to not be people that create a culture of contempt, but people who create a culture of honor, outdoing one another this year. God, there's so much uncertainty we're facing but this call to creating a culture of honor is certain. It's clear. And so we want to respond to that. Come and help us as we do that. Amen.